Well, we are in part one of our series, Sour. Sour. Has anybody ever been sour over something? Have you ever been sour over people? Have you ever been sour with somebody you love? You've been just been sour. You're just sour. You used to be sweet, but now you're just sour. You know, and uh, people say, well, you know, if life gives you lemon, just make lemonade. And you get the, you feel like eating the lemon and throwing it back at them. Here, you make lemonade with this. Um, yeah, you make lemonades then. Okay. And I was just thinking, you know, when I was four years of age, does anybody remember when they were four? I have good memories of me growing up when I was a little kid. When I was four years of age, I had an offense with my sister who was five. Five. She thought she was tougher than me. On this little four-year-old, she was this five-year-old, my five-year-old. I had a fence with her. And um, it's, it's interesting. We, we learn offenses for such a young age. So I thought, you know, I'm going to get you back. And so she was sitting in the lounge, in the sitting room, watching TV. And I went into my mom's room, and I, I thought, how am I going to get my sister back? And I found a pack of needles. So I got the pack of needles, and I started getting all the, you know those big, massive, fat needles? I was getting them out of the pack, and I started putting them on the carpet at the entrance of the door. Okay, I had issues growing up. Okay, I was four years, I was four years old. I don't know better. I was four years old. You're probably thinking, well, my four-year-old's not that bad after all. Okay, I started putting needles on the carpet for her to step on when she comes out of the, out of the, the sitting room. And I, and I went into the room. Oh, my room was laughing with this evil laugh. <laughs> you know. And just imagine what an evil laugh would sound like. I'm in there and I'm excited. I can't wait for her to stand on the needles. It'll be so funny. That's what I was thinking. I was only four. Okay, I'm only four years old. And anyway, it took like an eon for her to, for something to happen. And I think I just started playing in my room. All of a sudden, my sister calls me from the sitting room. And these are the words she said to me. She said, Ants, play school is on. Now, if anybody who's been around for a bit of time will know that Play School is a, was one of the number one New Zealand children's TV programs back in the day with a little Manu, Humpty Dumpty, Jemima, you, you know. Am I missing any one of those? Manu, pretty sure I said Manu, yeah, you know. Big Ted, that's who we're missing. Big Ted, all, the, all, the, all those characters. And she yells, Ants, Play School's on. And I was like, so excited, oh, Play School. And I ran into that lounge and I stepped into my own trap, and a needle went through my foot. I went down and I screamed like a four-year-old should. And I bum-shuffled all the way to where my grandmother was washing our clothes with the old, remember the old ringer, ringer washing machines? She was wringing the clothes and putting it through. If you put your hand in, your arm gets skinny as well. And um, she's wringing the clothes. And she, saw, she sees me with this needle in my foot. And she, this is what she says to me, you stupid boy. <laughs> I was like, Nina, there's a, there's a needle stuck in my foot. How did it get there? I don't know. <laughs> so she pulls it out. And, and, and so I kind of crying. I come back to where I had set my chair. And I started taking all the needles out. Because, you know, I realized that this wasn't funny. And I did not want my sister to stand on this. And I realized this, this was fun and I put it back. This is what I learned as a four-year-old. Okay, I learned this as a four-year-old. If you are offended, you will hurt people. If you are offended, you will hurt people, but ultimately you will hurt yourself. I found out the hard way. I hurt myself. It was sore. It wasn't good. But we do this to ourselves all the time. We carry an offense. 
And, and the reason why we do is because people don't meet your expectations. You have expectations on your husband, your wife, your kids, your parents, people in the church, and when they don't meet your expectations, you are offended. And this is how it works. We have this level of tolerance that's right here. Uh, this is my level of tolerance, and if you don't meet my expectations, then I'm offended. Now, we set expectations for people. If you're, if you're a church believer, you love God, then when it comes to the unchurched, those who are not part of your church, your expectation for those, they're down here, like around where your knees are. That's where your expectations are for them. Now, people in your church, your expectation for them is up here. Now, if you're married, your expectation for your spouse is right here. When it comes to your senior pastor, your expectation for them is way up there. Okay? Now, when... <laughs> sorry. It's way up here. Okay, okay so... <laughs> we've got we have and this is what happens right and, and so when when somebody in your workplace who does not go to church who is not a Christian when they offend you you're not offended and the reason being is because you had set the expectation down here but you've got this tolerance here and you're like oh that's okay but when somebody in church offends you because know this when you first got saved you loved everybody I love you all my enemies I now love you I love everybody. I love everybody. But then something changes for you in church. When people say something harsh about you, people start talking about you behind your back, and, and they're not even people out there. They're people within your own church. Because we set expectations high on people that are close to us. We are offended the most by people that, we, that are close to us because of the levels of expectations we put on them. So, so we, we say stuff like, oh, you know what? The people in the world treat me better than people in the church. Because people in the world, you, you've got low expectations, you've got grace for them, but people in the church, they've offended you by this much. Now, when it comes to your spouse or your husband or your wife, they've they, they've, when they don't meet your expectations, they've offended me by this much. When it comes to your pastor, when they don't meet your expectation, they've offended me this much. I'm offended for what they've said or what they've done because my expectation of you is so high. I've offended people in the, in the world treat me far better than my pastor. And that's why when it comes to people in relationships, we go, well, you know what? That, that lady in my workplace treats me far better than my wife. That, 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 that man in my workplace treats me far better than my husband because you have an expectation for them right over here, but for them, they're way down here. Wow. They treat me far better than that because of offense, an offense that has trapped you. And here's the thing. This is what you, what you, this is what you need to understand. See, what you do with your offense will determine your future. What you do with your offense will determine your future, will determine the future of your marriage. Will determine, will determine the future of your relationship with your children, with your work colleagues, with your church. I'm offended. I'm, I'm going somewhere else. I don't have to put up with this. You've just violated something of me, and I'm going. And, and that's what offense does. Offense, offense takes something from us. And I'm going to make sure I take it from everybody else who reminds me of you. I'm going to take back what they stole from me because they've stolen something from me. So what you do with your offense will determine your, your future. So let me ask you something. What are you doing with your offense? What are you doing with your offense? You know, Jesus, he predicted these times, the times that we live in. He predicted them. Did you know that? He was talking with his disciples. He was telling them, this is what the last days are going to be like. 
These are the end of days. And begins to list all these things up. This is what it's like. And then he lists this thing that we're going to talk about. And if you've got your Bibles or your devices, turn them on or turn to Matthew chapter 24, verse 10. And Jesus is listing, this is what it's going to be like in the end of days, the end times. And he says this, then many will be offended in the end, in, in the end times, in the last days. Many will be, not might be, some might be. He says, no, many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Did you know that we live in the most offended society to ever grace the face of this earth? We live in the most offended society. It's also known as the outrage society. Jesus was prophesying these days. According to Jesus, the words in the Bible, we are living in the last days because we are outraged. See, when you have a differing opinion to mine, I don't just not like you, I hate you. In fact, this world will put labels on us. If you have a different opinion to society, they'll put labels on you. They say, you are homophobic. You are sexist. You are racist. You've got a different opinion to me. I don't just dislike you. I hate you. We live in outrage, an outrage society. I was just watching on the news and there was this feminist who'd been a feminist all her life, apparently. She's like, she's pretty, she's, she's a mature lady. And anyway, she made a comment about transgenderism. This is what she said. She said, you may change the outside of your body, but you're still a man. You are not a woman. She was immediately labeled by society as homophobic. And then this guy from the UK who was, who was the number one uh, advocate for homosexuality and their rights in the UK, he comes to her defense, saying she has the right to her opinion. He is now, and then he gets labeled being homophobic as well. This is the number one advocate is now labeled homophobic because, because he's backing up somebody else who has a different opinion to somebody else. And then, what's that guy's name? Charles Dawkins? Is that his name? Richard Dawkins. He then backs up that guy, and then Richard Dawkins gets labeled a homophobic. We live in an outraged society. If you have a different opinion to me, then, then, then I'm outraged. How dare you have a different opinion to me? How dare you? You're now labeled this. I'm outraged. I'm offended. I'm offended. I hate you. And this is the day and age that we are living in. What are you doing with your offense? What are you doing with your offense? Because what you do with your offense will determine your future. How are you teaching your children to handle offense? How are we teaching them? Because they're watching you. They're watching how you handle offense. They're listening to you in the car as you're driving home complaining about that person in church. Oops, sorry. So I wasn't meant to say that. My apologies. Sorry. Yeah, it was a senior pastor. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. See, this is a progression. An offense will lead to betrayal. And if a betrayal is not dealt with, it will lead to hatred. To hatred. See, to be offended is to be trapped into a situation where you're held captive by another person. You're allowing... You are allowing your self-worth to be dictated by someone else when you have, if you're withholding offense. You're allowing somebody else to dictate how you, how you feel. I'm giving you power over my feelings by being offended. 
I'm giving you power over me. See, when people hear the word betrayal, we think of Judas. That's who we think of. But this is what betrayal is. Betrayal is when I seek my benefit at the expense of someone else. You, you know what? You, 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 you've offended me. And I, you know what? And when push comes to shove, I'm going to protect myself, even if it's at the expense of you. Because it's about protecting me. Because you've taken something from me. And I'm offended. And, if, and it will lead to betrayal. And ultimately, it will lead to hatred. When we think of hatred, we think of rage and anger. See, that's not necessarily what hatred is. We, we, we hear in the Bible, Absalom, Absalom hated um, Amnon. But he did not say a good or bad word towards him. He didn't say any words to him. He didn't say anything good or bad. He had controlled hatred. Controlled hatred. Hatred means to love less or it means to have no love. Ultimately, it is being void or having the love of God towards someone. When you hate someone, you are, you are void of God's love towards them. God is missing from your, from your life for this person. When we allow hatred to seep in, you, you, you're pushing out the love of God from your heart. We're pushing that away. We need to excel in the love of God. It is the most powerful force in the universe, the love of God. Jesus is coming back for a church that walks in extravagant, exceptional love. See, are you walking in extravagant, exceptional love? When you talk about people, are you talking about them and an extravagant, exceptional love about them? Or are we taking them captive? Because I'm offended. And how dare you offend me? I'm taking you captive in my heart. See, hatred is not necessarily by words or emotions because it can be cleverly disguised. We can disguise our hatred towards people. Matthew 24 verse 11 says, Then false prophets will rise up and deceive many. See, when you are offended, ultimately, it would lead to deception. Deception. We can deceive ourselves. Offense is a breeding ground, is a breeding ground for deception. But you, know what the problem, you know what the number one problem is with deception? The number one problem with, this, with deception is that it is deceiving. I know, think about that. Deception is deceiving. It is. In fact, the number one person at deceiving me is me. You can deceive me, but I'm better at deceiving myself than you are. Just like you're better at deceiving yourself than I am trying to deceive you. You know, the, you know, the reason why you didn't go to the gym in the morning, no one else deceives you. You deceived yourself. Oh, I won't go this morning. I'll talk myself out of it. You know, oh, you know what? I should, I should forgive this person. But you know what? I don't have to. Because, because it was they started it. It's their fault. Uh, therefore, it's not my problem. It's their problem. That's why I hate them. It's their fault. Deception. We're deceived. We're greatly deceived that we're right when we're actually wrong. Two wrongs don't make a right. Makes a disaster. That's what it makes. It's crazy. You know, when Jesus talks about false prophets, he talks about wolves and sheep's clothing. That's why he talked about wolves and sheep's clothing. He's not saying, he, Jesus didn't say wolves and shepherd's clothing. Quite often everybody looks at, looks at the pulpit at the front. Take a look at the person next to you. No, just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, misery loves company. You know what a wolf pack does? A wolf pack, they isolate people. 
They isolate, they isolate the lambs and then they devour. Proverbs 18 verse one says this, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. I'm not gonna listen to any wise judgment. I'm, I'm isolating myself. You know, isolation doesn't begin outwardly, it begins inwardly. You could be in this room and you're already isolating yourself from people. You're isolating yourself from the love of God. You're, you're, you're raging against wise understanding. How dare they say that to me? What you do with your offense will determine your future. You either become stronger or you become bitter. And verse 12, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. And agape love means the love of God. And so what, this, what Jesus is saying is that even the love of God can grow cold in your heart. And you don't even know it. Because when, we, when we're offended, it will lead to betrayal, to hatred, and ultimately you will be deceived. You know, if you had a boiling water and you throw a frog in it, it will leap out of it. Because a frog has the capability to do that. But if you put a frog in, in some water and you heat it up slowly, over time it will die in the boiling water, not knowing it's getting hotter because it's deceived itself. Even though it had the capability of jumping up. See, so if we don't guard our heart, it will grow cold. I'm not saying this. Jesus is saying this. Guard your heart because it will grow cold. Because offense will lead to betrayal. It will lead to hatred. It will lead to deception. Ultimately, your heart will grow cold. And I don't want to be here anymore. People in the world don't treat me like this. This other person doesn't treat me like my wife, my husband. Their kids treat them better. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm, I'm gone. I'm out of here. And that's what offense does. It isolates you. It destroys you. It's the trap of the devil. You know, when you set a trap, you don't make it obvious. Like when you go, you know, when you go fishing on a boat and you, and you got a hook, you don't jump on the water of the hook trying to catch a fish. You know, they know it's obvious. It's obvious. But when you set a trap, it's not obvious. And that's what the devil does. He doesn't make it blatant. I'm gonna capture you. I'm gonna make it so blatant that you can see me coming. He does it subtly through offense till he traps you. His goal is to isolate you so that your heart ultimately will go cold towards God. It's the bait of the devil. Offense, offense. What you do with your offense will determine your future. And it starts when we're young, doesn't it? Starts when young, when I'm just a kid, I remember, I remember um, my young cousin used to come, come to our house all the time, and he lived in a posh area of Auckland. We lived in a maybe slightly less posh Mangere. <laughs> we live way in the in deep south of Auckland. And one day he stopped coming over, and it's because his dad didn't want to be influenced by us. And he told, my cousin said to me, I said, why did you come over anymore? And he goes, oh, my dad said your house has fleas. But really, he didn't want him to associate with us because we're bad news. And so we pick up a fence. We take this with us because we're not good enough. I remember my uncle saying to my, my mum, saying to her that your kids are going to amount to nothing 
because you don't discipline your kids. And so you pick up all these offenses growing up that we're not good enough. You know, you think I'm not good enough? Oh, fine. We're not good enough. And we'll do things the way we want to do things, our own way. If you want to reject us, we reject you. That's what offense does. It builds, offense builds a fence around your heart. And then we get older and, and, and your parents offend us. You know, the thing with offense is that when you carry offense, you want to pass it on to other people. Pass it on to your parents and because well, your parents have passed something on to you. Not realizing that your parents are also carrying baggage. They just haven't dealt with it. And now they give you their baggage and now you end up carrying more baggage that you get from people that you love. People close to you. Your husband and your wife. Your children, it cuts deep. Sticks and stones may break my bones. It's a lie that we teach our children because they cut deep. They hurt. And we pick up more offenses. We pick them up. We start carrying them around in life. And someone in church says something to you. And you say, I thought that you're, I thought Christians don't do this. Christians don't do this. God, I thought becoming a Christian, my life will change, but it's, your Bible tells us that we're supposed to live abundant life. This isn't abundant living. And we pick up more offenses and we walk through life carrying offenses and you're trying to walk in and you, it's hard to keep your balance. It's tiring. It's hard. It's heavy. It's heavy. Have you ever felt heavy? And then you start spewing out baggage on your children. Saying stuff like, well, you know, I was disciplined like that, so this, this is how I discipline my children. This is how I treat, this, this is just who I am. You can't change me, I'm just a mean person. I'm just not good enough. You, you, no, you don't, you don't want to be near, near me, I'm toxic. That's who I am. And we believe the lies of their fears that tie us down. And it's heavy. And we want to give up to offense, the trap of the devil wants to strangle you, weigh you down. And your heart begins to grow cold. And people say, look, let me help you. No, no, I've got this. And then you realize it's controlling you. Then you remember the words of Jesus that says, come to me, all who are weary, carrying heavy burdens. And I, give you rest that's what I want I'm tired of carrying hurts abuse then you realize that we've got a savior that stands before us that all on the cross he died for you and for me I need to make a decision because he's forgiven me of my sins I need to make a decision that today I'm letting go of offense. You don't owe me anymore. I'm canceling the debt. You don't owe me anymore. 
I'm not gonna take this offense into my next relationship, into my next church. I'm not gonna put this on my children. I'm canceling the debt. I'm putting it down. Because I remember the words of Jesus says, come to me all who are weary, carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Church, when we stand, wherever you are, just stand. All eyes closed in this place. And what I want you to do is reach your arms forward. Let's all, even if you're not carrying a fence, just do it just so someone doesn't feel like they're the only ones doing this. And in your hands are a fence. What people said against you, the, the words that people talked about you behind your back, the fence of your husband, your wife, your children, your pastor, all the offenses. We can't do this on our own. We can't carry. Many of us are deceived. I'm not offended, but you are. You're still carrying that hurt. You're still hanging on. It's hard to let go. But standing before you, I want you, I want you in your mind, Jesus is standing before you. His arms are open wide. You need to make a decision to drop your offense before Jesus. So right here, right now, begin to drop it before Jesus. Jesus, I'll drop it before you. I can't do this on my own. It's heavy. It's hard. I want to give up. I feel alone, isolated. I'm giving you my pain. I'm giving you the offense that I've carried for far too long. I'm saying, Jesus, I take hold of your forgiveness. And right here, right now, I want you to see that Jesus is hugging you and holding you. And begin to put your arms around Jesus. So Jesus, the lover of my soul, thank you, thank you, thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Amen. Praise God. You can have a, just sit down wherever you are. You know, when, when I preach sermons, you gotta understand, I'm not just preaching sermons to you guys, I'm preaching these sermons to me as well. We all carry baggage. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I don't carry baggage, I do. <laughs> I carry too much sometimes. But you know what, when, when we, you know, we, we just this exercise of dropping it at, at, at Jesus' feet. Don't be fooled. Don't just think, oh, I've done that, I'm all good. But we're gonna come to Jesus daily. Come on. If we do this exercise, you'll drop it. But for many of us, we, we go back and we start picking it all up again, right? Oh, I'm, I'm set free. Praise, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hang on, I just got one more. Before I leave, I just got something else to pick up. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. See you next Sunday. Seriously, this is what we do. We do this. It's crazy. It's crazy. We do this. Honestly, the only way you can be break to be totally free is daily come before the cross. Daily, every day, you've got to do this. Honestly, you start picking it up again, you will. Daily. I'm putting this at your feet, Jesus. Daily. Do this daily. Don't just do it today. That's it. I'm all good. Because let me tell you something. Two weeks' time, you're going to be offended. You picked up that suitcase again. The power of Jesus sets you free. Stay free. You're author and perfecter of your story. Keep your eyes fixed on Him. The author and perfecter of my faith. 
Because if it's not fixed on Jesus, guess where your eyes go? Back to the offense. And up it comes again. But keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Amen.